0: Your time here to be a blessed time. Today is um, a special day because it is a day we set aside to celebrate the love that is beyond all comprehension uh, for us and all comparison as well. A day for celebrating love and life. Um, without Jesus Christ, we would not know either one. We wouldn't know about love and we wouldn't know about life. We wouldn't have either one. Um, and so I'm going to take us on a journey today. I'm going to try to hurry. I was notified, I sent all the scriptures, I was notified of how many verses. We're actually in the sermon that I sent, uh, and there are 139. So buckle up your seatbelt. No, we're not going to read all of them. Uh, but there is uh, there's a lot of scripture to cover because I want to take a journey from the beginning through today. And um, so hopefully we can understand why it's so vital and so essential. I think for Christians we, we know that, but sometimes we can forget that. It can lose its impact and power. Maybe you here this morning and you're not quite sure why the cross of Christ is so important. And, and even beyond that, the empty tomb is so important. And so in Genesis chapter 1, I'm going to read just a little bit of this and kind of summarize some of it. But it said this, let us, God said, Then uh, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man. In his own image, in the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, behold, I've given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth and every tree which is fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you every beast of the earth and every bird of the sky to everything that moves on the earth which has life I've given every green plant for food and it was so God saw all that he had made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day we skip to Genesis chapter 2 verse 4 this is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord made earth and heaven and then no shrub Of the field was yet on the earth, no plant of the field had been sprouted, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to cultivate the ground, but a mist used to rise from the earth and water the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden towards the east in Eden, and there he placed the man whom he had formed out of the ground. The Lord God caused every tree that is pleasing to the sight, and good for food the tree of life also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil verse 15 says the lord god took the man and he put him in the garden of eden to cultivate it and to keep it the lord god commanded the man saying from every tree of the garden you may eat freely but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for in the day that you eat it you will surely die then the lord god said it's not good for man to be alone So I'll make a helper suitable for him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called a living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the cattle and all the birds of the sky and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper, helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on man. And he slept and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh of that place. The Lord fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. And the man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. We read chapter three and it says that there is a serpent that comes on the scene. The serpent is, of course, course, Satan. Satan tempts Eve. He tells her that there's this tree that God's told you not to eat of, and why not? I mean, look at it. It's good for food. It's, it's pleasing to the eyes. You would enjoy its, its taste. You should eat of it. Matter of fact, I, I, it's probably because God doesn't want you to be like him. So we know the story that Eve gave into the temptation of the serpent. Ser, serpent. She ate of the fruit, and the Bible says that she also gave to Adam. The lie that the serpent, serpent told Eve was this. You won't die. You, sh- you shall not surely die. But she ate of it anyways. She disobeyed God's word. Adam disobeyed God's word. The Bible tells us that because of that, there was consequences. Not only did they uh, get expelled from the garden, but women would have uh, labor pains and childbirth, and man would have to work by the sweat of his brow and, and all those things. But we know what happened when, when God, before he did all that, it, the Bible says that he came in the cool of the day and he found them. He, but he was looking for them. Uh, and, and they said, hey, we're here, we're hiding. And He said, why are you hiding? He said, because we're naked. He said, well, looked around. Who, who told you you were naked? You were naked before. There was no problem with that. And He asked him if you ate of the tree. They broke God's law. They broke his command. They sinned. And therefore the consequences ultimately was death. The story of man will be a continual repeating of this, and it still remains today. God commands, and all of his commands are good and true. That's what Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5 says. Yet man continues on this roller coaster path of obeying and then disobeying. This, obe- this disobedience that we saw in the very beginning from Eve and from Adam that still exists today. I said, it's called sin. First John chapter 3, verse 4 says, Whoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So if you're here today and you say, I don't understand what sin is, I don't necessarily think I'm that bad of a sinner. The Bible says that if you break God's law, even in one little small point, you're an offender of all of the law of God. And so from the garden, when we saw Eve and Adam break God's law, break his commands, disobey God, and sin entered into the bloodstream of mankind until today that is the case from every single one of us. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 tells us that. Therefore, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men. Here's the, here's the reason why. Because all sinned. Now, I want to point this out this morning because the... the um, The title of the message is No Greater Love. The nation of Israel was chosen by God to be an example to the whole world about what God's love looks like and what a relationship with Him is supposed to be like. So He gave them land, He promised them land, He said, I will take you to that land and I will give you blessings and I will be your God, you will be my people, I will give you a temple. And everything that God gave and everything that God did, every command, every ceremony, everything." was to point to Him, that He is the source. He is life and He is love. Yet, as that example, over and over and over, we know in Scripture that Israel would turn away from God and sin. They would would receive the blessing. They They would take advantage of the blessings. They would turn away from God. They would sin. They would experience the consequences. God would correct them. They would repent and come back to God and experience the blessings once again, over and over and over They would do this in one of the most well-known stories in scripture, a a story that ultimately would set the stage for Christ's coming to the earth the very first time in human form for his his death and when we celebrate his resurrection. And that's the story of the exodus of the children of Israel out of Egypt. They had been in Egypt through tragic and and also they had gone through triumphant circumstances back to tragic again. And God would send a man, many of you know this story, a man named Moses, as his representative an unworthy man in himself, an unqualified man in himself, yet God in his grace and mercy chose Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. Understand that while this was a real experience, there's no doubt about it, this this happened in history. We can see that Egypt and Pharaoh represent the state of bondage to the enemy, Satan, and also to sin. You know the story, Pharaoh refused. They refused to let God's people go. He considered it. He said, you can go this far. He considered it. And then eventually he changed his mind. He hardened his heart. And he said no. So God interceded. And specifically, he sent plagues. And on that last plague, the 10th plague, he sent to Egypt, it would be the death angel who would come for the firstborn, the heir of every single family there. Why was that important? Because the firstborn represented the lineage and the longevity of an earthly family. The only ones... The Bible tells us who would be spared in that event would be those who were under the blood of the sacrificial lamb. It was a lamb that was specifically designated by God. And it had to be blood applied specifically to a certain place on the doorpost in the the houses, on on a wooden post. I want you to remember that. All of this was by God's design and his his, His designation. And the whole point was to rescue his people from bondage and to bring them to a place that he had prepared for them specifically. I don't know about you, but it sounds a little familiar, right? It's the same story now. Amen. We're getting to that. But God gave them instructions, He gave them clear instructions on this this sacrificial lamb, this this Passover lamb. He gave them very specific directions on where to put the blood on the doorpost. He told them very clearly the meal that they were supposed to eat and how they were supposed to eat it, even down to the bread, how it would be prepared. Exodus chapter 12, the Lord God said to Moses, Aaron in the land of Egypt, this month shall be the beginning of months for you. So this is the beginning of their year. Through the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying on the 10th month, there each one to take a lamb for themselves according to their father's households, a lamb for each household. Now if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his neighbor nearest to his house are to take one according to the number of the persons in them, according to what each man should eat, and you divide the lamb. Your lamb shall be an unblemished male, a year old, in his prime. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. You shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel is to kill it at twilight. See how specific the instructions are? Very clearly, God had a plan in all of this. Very clearly, it was very specific on how they were supposed to do this. Verse 14 says that this day would be a memorial for you, and you shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord. This is the Passover feast. Throughout your generations, you are to celebrate it as a permanent ordinance. So why is this so important? We talked about the Garden of Eve. We talked about Adam and Eve. We talked about their sin. We talked about Egypt. And we talked about the nation of Israel being in bondage and being delivered. And now the Passover. See, the Passover lamb of the Exodus pointed to the Passover lamb of God. The lamb that was assigned to be sacrificed for our sins before the foundation of the world. The Bible says that in Revelation chapter 5. I'm not going to read all of this, but it tells us that he was the one who was worthy. To take the scroll and to read what was in the scroll because he was the lamb that was sacrificed for the foundation of the world. It happened. They were delivered, the, the, the people of Israel. They were saved. They were rescued out of the bondage there in Egypt. Those who did as God commanded, they had to trust him. They had to trust his word. They had to trust his way. If you know the rest of the story, they experienced yet more roller coaster experiences through the wilderness. They tempted God yet again, over and over and over again. The Bible says in Psalm 106, verse 14, they craved immensely in the wilderness. They lusted, they coveted, they wanted to go back to Egypt. They didn't like what they were experiencing in the wilderness. And it says they tempted God in the desert. In the New Testament, Paul would refer to this as he's writing to Corinthians, and he would say this, these things took place as examples for us, that we might not desire evil as they did, to go back to sin, to go back to bondage, Do not be idolaters as some of them were. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink, rose up to play. He says this, we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. And 23,000 fell in a single day because of it. We must not put Christ to the test as some of them did and were destroyed by serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer." destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction. On whom the end of the ages has come. In that wilderness for 40 years, they wandered. They finally entered the Promised Land. God taught them all along the way to trust Him, to trust His Word, to trust His way. They would become His people in His land. They would have clear instructions on how they were to live their daily lives, their weekly lives, their lives in worship to Him. They they had instructions on all of this. We know, yet again, They missed the mark, and they make make a huge mess out of all of it. The land would be occupied by the Romans. People. In God's land, in God's provision, with everything given to them, just like in the wilderness. Yet they turned away, and in captivity yet again, to both Rome and to their own system of religion. And God would finally bring everything into perfect clarity for them and for us, for all of mankind. Around 4 B.C., God himself would come to this earth. The Bible says it like this in Galatians chapter 4. When the fullness of time had came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. This is essential because we, mankind, we're all in sin. We just read it, Romans chapter 5, verse 12. All, all of us, every single person under the bondage of sin in the world and insufficient to save ourselves because we as mankind, as I said, are all sinners. Amen. We still are. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, like this, there's none righteous, no, not one. It says in verse 23 that all have sinned and every single one of us falls short of the glory of God. But that is the amazing truth about Easter and this reality. Even though this is our story, even though every single person in this place is a sinner, we are lost, we have broken God's law, we have transgressed the law, we missed the mark, we fall short. Even though we do this over and over again, God provided a solution. He provided salvation by way of a Savior. Why did we go through the Passover? As I said, the Savior is the Passover lamb. John chapter 1, verse 6 says, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. It's talking about Jesus. It says this about Jesus. He was in the world. God in the flesh was in the world. And the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came even to his own, his own people, the Jewish people who he chose to be the example for the whole world. He came into his own. And those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Even to those who believe in his name, the name of Jesus, who were not born, nor of blood, nor the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. It says this, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. It was glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. Listen to me this morning. Why did God do this? You listen to the story of mankind. It's like that bad kid that will not listen. We are the bad kids, all of us. We all miss the mark. We all fall short. The Bible says we are all sinners. But Jesus Christ came because there is no greater love than the love that he showed in coming to this earth. He did everything he did all along the way, and he still does it today because of love. He is love. Perfect, just love. It says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Again, we know love and we know life because of Jesus. First John chapter 4, beloved, let us love one another Because love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. It says in verse 9, By this the love of God was manifest in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through him. The end of this message is the the two points that you have in your notes. Point number one is this, love gives. Something I've preached many times in this church, the reason why we know what love does and that that what it does is it gives is because what we read in in John chapter 3 and 1 John chapter 4, it says it like this in John chapter 15, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Jesus is saying this, and he says this to his followers, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my Father I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Again, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 says that's how we know love is that he laid down his life for us. His love, his sacrifice showed us how to have a right relationship with God, with each other as well. It says it like this, that God showed his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us in Romans chapter 5. God incarnate, Jesus, came to this earth, born of a virgin, as we read, lived a sinless life. It was the the perfect sacrifice, the spotless lamb before the foundation of the world, and he was the Passover lamb for every single person that would come to this earth. Again, the Passover lamb would ultimately pay for the sins of the world, including ours. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, clean out the old leaven so that you may be a new lump, just as as you are, in fact, unleavened. For Christ, our Passover, also has been sacrificed. He was sacrificed to pay for our sins. I was talking to our girls last night in our devotion, and I said it like this. I want you to imagine the four of us in our family, all of our sins. Think about every single sin you've ever committed. We can't keep count of them all. But just the four of us in our family, if we could see all of the the wrath of God poured out on just the four of our sins, just the four of us, if the wrath of God was poured out for for our sins, it would be amazing. We, We would be mind blown at what that wrath looked like. But I want you to understand that it wasn't just four people that Jesus bore the wrath of God for. It was for billions and billions of people. And so when you think about what Jesus did and why we celebrate this Passover lamb, why we celebrate Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the grave, think about God's wrath against billions and billions of people. And there are probably billions and billions and trillions and gazillions of sins from the most vile sins to dictators and and, and genocide people and from, from people who do vile things, the vilest of all sins multiplied by billions and billions. And think about a just and holy God pouring out his wrath on all of that sin on one person at one point in time, just for a few hours. And we wonder why Jesus was in the garden sweating, as it were, great drops of blood. The wrath of Almighty God. We think and we see sounds. Man, I love that video we, we heard in the middle of the in, in, in the, the worship service because there was no music. And it took, it, it took me back to that time when it actually happened because there was no theme music when Jesus was getting beaten. There was no theme music when he was on the cross. It was just raw wrath of God poured out on the Passover lamb in our place. And I thought, and I said to the girls last night, I said, can you imagine how holy that holiness has to be to be able to take the place of all of the weight of that sin. Hebrews chapter 10, by this we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Every priest stands daily ministering, offering time after time the same sacrifices that can never take away sins, but he, Jesus, Having offered one sacrifice for sins for all time, sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and on their minds, I will write them. Then he says, in their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. No greater love gives. And no no greater love, point number two, forgives. On the cross, he was paying for the sins of the world. Even those who were there that day, he said this in Luke chapter 23, Father, forgive them. And before his earthly body expired, he said this. In John chapter 19, verse 30, it is finished. As we celebrated all this morning, they put him in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, the women had gone to the sealed tomb to anoint his body. But there at the tomb, they found an angel instead of a closed tomb in a, in a, in a body. And the angel said to them in Luke chapter 24, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb bringing the spices which they prepared and found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They entered in and they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling clothing. And as the women were terrified, they bowed their faces to the ground. The men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, he must be crucified, and on the third day rise again. they remembered his word, returned from the tomb, and reported all these things to the leaven and to all the rest. I'm done this morning. But I want you to know this Easter truth is eternally vital. Just as God made it clear throughout man's history that every single person must put their trust in him, must put their trust in his word, his way to have life. It's still true today. Jesus said it exactly like this in John 14:6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. We celebrate Easter because there's no greater love. And Jesus offers his eternal life because of his great love. He laid down his life for us. He offers eternal life, but you must trust him today. And if you haven't done that, I beg you today, the Bible says that in the wilderness there were some that hardened their hearts And they turned away from the salvation of God. And in Hebrews, it tells us to not harden our hearts as they did in the wilderness. It says that today is the day of salvation. The Bible says this in John chapter six, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. If you've never come to Jesus Christ, if you've never turned your back on your sins and come to him in faith, you can do that today. You can receive eternal life. Not only that, what we read a while ago, that the, 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 the blood of bulls and goats can never take away sins, but Jesus Christ bore your wrath on the cross. He shed his blood. And it says that because he did this, every single one of your sins he will never remember. Forgiven. Cast as far as the east, east is from the west. And you say, "Well, how do I do it, pastor? How do I do that? How, how, do I, how do I get saved? How do I get my sins forgiven? The Bible says it like this, if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord in Romans chapter 10, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Because it says, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. And then listen to this promise in verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This morning, if you've not done that, I want to invite you, as, as our worship pastor comes and he plays this morning. There's going to be people moving to this altar. Some are going to be praying and thanking God for the resurrection and for the sacrifice. But if you're here this morning, if you've, never, you've never given your life to Christ. You've never had your sins forgiven. It's a new start. It's a new life, the Bible calls it. You'll have a new life in Christ today on Easter as we celebrate the resurrection. You can walk out those doors, a changed person on your way to heaven, and never having to worry about paying for your sins because there was one who paid for your sins in your place. But please don't leave here today without that assurance. If you say, man, I'm not sure that I'm going to heaven when I die, please don't leave like that. You can come down to this altar. We have some people that we can take you just off to the side privately. We don't want to embarrass you. We will not embarrass you. We simply will show you more scriptures, and you can make the decision yourself. We're going to force you to do anything. But if you want to know about it, we want you to come this morning. Please don't leave with questions. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for what you do in our lives. Lord, thank you so much for the gospel. Lord, we know that the bad news is that what we read, we're all sinners. We all deserve death, and we all will die without you, your sacrifice being applied in our life. Lord, your blood applied in our life. And so that's why we're so thankful for the good news, that you came to this earth and you lived perfect life, died on the cross for our sins rose again the third day and if we would surrender our lives to you put all in conf- all confidence in you that you would save us, you would make us your children, you would forgive us all of our sins that we would not have to live under the condemnation the wrath, the judgment of our sins against ourselves Lord that sacrifice that you, you made for us would cover us. So Lord if there's somebody here today that has not done that I pray you just move them this morning that they wouldn't hesitate at the first note of this invitation, God, that they would move and they would be able to walk out of this place on Easter Sunday knowing that they're going to heaven when they die. Lord, I just pray that you move now in a special way. I'm we'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'll stand as he sings, I wanna invite you to come. As he sings.